بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد ہونسلی علیہ رسول کریم اما بعد کنٹینیو ود ڈسکشن اباؤٹ دا سچویشن ایٹ دا ٹائم آف ڈیتھ سو دا ٹاپک یہ از میجرز ٹو بی ٹیکن ان آڈر ٹو سیو ون سیلف فرام دا ٹریپس آف شیطان ایٹ دا ٹائم آف ڈیتھ دا ورسز آف دا قرآن شریف اینڈ دا احادیث آف رسول اللہ صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم ٹیچ ایس اے فیو میجرز ٹو بی سیو فرام دا ٹریچز آف شیطان But one, the biggest measure is the strengthening of Iman, which has been mentioned in the above-mentioned verses. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ قَالُوا رَبُّنَ اللَّهِ ثُمَّ اسْتَقَامُوا This is the essence of Iman. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ قَالُوا رَبُّنَ اللَّهِ Those who declare that Allah is our Rabb. So it's not just something lip service, it's where they have embedded this faith and Iman deep down in their hearts. And they then adhere to this so this is the greatest measure that will save a person from being afflicted by the traps of shaitan at the time of death the second measure is istiqamat istiqamat has many ranks thus according to a person's level of istiqamat and steadfastness so will a person be saved from the plots of shaitan The lowest level is that a person remains steadfast on Iman till the last breath. From this too, there is hope of the mercy of Allah Ta'ala and the assistance of the angels. However, there is also a possibility that the person be deprived due to the evil of some sin. As discussed yesterday, many sins are such that they become a barrier from a person reciting the kalima at the time of death. So this is something that is a very dangerous thing. Therefore, we are insan. Sometimes we slip up, we fall. The thing is to very, very swiftly, urgently, with great haste, to make sincere toba and turn back to Allah Ta'ala. Because these sins sometimes, if life suddenly comes to an end, and that sin becomes a barrier from the support of the angels, etc. What a difficult situation they can become. The highest level is that a person stays away from all sins and has taqwa. The middle level is that if a person becomes involved in any sin due to ghaflat, he remembers Allah Ta'ala's punishment and immediately makes toba. The third measure is that one should not remain in the condition of janabat for even a short while without at least making wudu. Or as mentioned yesterday, tayammum. The fourth measure is that one should keep oneself, one's clothing and one's house pure from such things which prevent the entry of angels of mercy. Example, pictures, persons in need of ghusl, etc. Pictures, referring to pictures of, in, of animate objects, humans, animals, etc. Pictures of animate things, This prevents the entry of the angels. So this is something very, very serious. Can we imagine that the person now is suddenly his time for death, but because of some animate pictures being left displayed somehow, he is now deprived of these angels of Rahmat coming to him. So unfortunately nowadays this has become a very common thing. And little consideration is given to the fact that this is impermissible pictures of animate objects 
and that this also becomes a barrier from the angels of Rahmat coming in. The fifth measure is that one should obey one's parents. In a hadith it is mentioned that a person came in the presence of Rasulullah he said we have a young boy who is in the throes of death he is being told to recite La ilaha illallah however he cannot do so. Nabi asked was he not in the habit of reciting this kalima before? It was said he was always he always used to recite it. Nabi then said, then what can be the cause of him not reciting it now? Nabi stood up himself, went there and instructed him to recite the kalima. He replied, I cannot do so. Nabi asked why. He said, I used to disobey my mother. Thereafter, Nabi got this person's mother to forgive him. As soon as this happened, his tongue opened, he recited the kalima and left this world. It's from the kitab of Allama Suyuti Rahmatullahi Sadr. So this is something which obviously the Quran Sharif is filled in many many places where the person's responsibility towards his parents is mentioned. وَقَضَى رَبُّكَ أَلَّا تَعْبُدُوا إِلَّا إِيَّا وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانًا Together with the worship of Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala mentions the rights of parents. Allah Ta'ala has ordained that you worship none but Him. And immediately thereafter, وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانًا And that you be kind to the parents. This is the insaf and the justice of Islam. That on the one hand, if the parents are instructing something that is impermissible, that the Quran Sharif Allah Ta'ala says that if they insist upon you to commit shirk, now what a serious thing, they cannot be anything more serious. They cannot be a worse sin than shirk. The parents are mushrikeen. And they are insisting upon the son to commit shirk. So he cannot obey that. He cannot obey any sin. Any sinful action. Any sinful command. Anything that is against the laws of Sharia, he cannot obey it. So on the one hand, the person is being told that, look, you cannot obey your parents in this regard. Now, this is a major thing in, in technical terms that he is being told to disobey his parents. But yes, because the obedience of Allah Ta'ala is above everything. But immediately thereafter, Allah Ta'ala says, وَصَاحِبُهُمَا فِي الدُّنْيَا مَعْرُوفًا That look, this is necessary, that you cannot obey them in anything that is against the commands of Allah Ta'ala. But remember, you still have to deal with them kindly. And you have to still deal with them kindly in the sense that even in this instance, while they are insisting you must commit shirk, while you will not obey that, but you will still also not say uff to them. You will not rebuke them. And say to them kind words. And you will still humble yourself in front of them. 
And you still make dua for them. This is the insaf and the justice of Iman in Islam. That this fine balance has been maintained. What is wrong is wrong, but the wrong doesn't give the license to another wrong. The parents are insisting that the person must commit shirk or do something haram or do something sinful. That is a wrong from their side. But that doesn't give license to the child to commit a wrong of disrespect. He will decline fulfilling the impermissible thing, but with respect. He will not compromise on respect regardless of what the situation is. Now, this is that fine line that he cannot compromise on deen. He cannot compromise on the commands of Allah Ta'ala. Sometimes a person is being family pressures, whatever social pressures, pressures from friends or whatever else, to do something or to join them in something that is impermissible, something that is wrong. So now the person makes it known that, look, I can't be part of this. So then you'll find only at that time now, suddenly somebody will think about all the merits of maintaining ties. Since you see all these important aspects mentioned regarding maintaining ties, now you're breaking ties. So the answer to that is that the first relationship to maintain is the relationship with Allah Ta'ala. And within that framework to maintain all the other relationships. Then if somebody is insisting on doing something haram, something impermissible, and if one is now compelled to now distance himself from that, then the person who is insisting on doing what is against Allah Ta'ala's command, that person is also responsible for the breaking of the tie. Because he is bringing this upon the, he is bringing the situation. He is forcing it upon the next person to distance himself. Because he can't be part of the haram. He can't be part of something impermissible. So the responsibility of breaking family ties is not upon the person who has refused to be part of something haram. And this, these are two separate things altogether. One is breaking family ties and the other is not being part of something haram. This is all the deception of shaitan. These are all words which are meant to create confusion. The person has merely refused to be part of something haram. He didn't say I'm breaking ties. He didn't say that I'm not going to make salam to you tomorrow. He didn't say that I will have nothing to do with you. He didn't break any ties. All he said is, I cannot be part of that haram. So this is all the deception of shaitan. Where there's now a small little personal, some problem has come up, there suddenly all the merits of family ties the person forgot. And now to force somebody to be part of haram, there suddenly all the riwayat and the narrations of family ties now suddenly he remembered. So these are two separate things. He didn't break any family ties. All he said is, I can't be part of the haram. So, this is something very clear that the issue we were discussing was that the respect of parents, there is no license to compromise that regardless of the situation. No matter what. And this is the test of every child. Parents are tested sometimes via the children. And children are sometimes tested via their parents. And everyone has to answer to Allah Ta'ala.
So if a person, if his parents did something that was incorrect, they treated him in a wrong way. It happens, unfortunately, this is a common story also. And as parents, we need to be very conscious of this, that we also have to answer to Allah Ta'ala. In all aspects, including how we dealt with our children too. But regardless of that situation, that does not give any license to that child to be disrespectful. The parent, that is his matter with Allah Ta'ala. He'll be answerable for that in the court of Allah Ta'ala. That doesn't give license to the child to be disrespectful. Because his com- the command of the Quran Sharif to him, in every circumstance, without any qualification, وَلَا تَقُلْ لَهُمَا Don't even say uff to them. وَلَا تَنْهَرْهُمَا وَقُلْ لَهُمَا قَوْلًا كَرِيمًا Yes, don't obey something that is impermissible. Decline that, but with respect. This is the aspect that was mentioned here, that the obedience to one's parents, this is an extremely important thing, disobedient to, par- to parents in permissible things. This sometimes becomes a barrier from a person deciding the kalima also at the time of death. Now, if this is such a serious thing, then can we imagine one is disobedience, the other oppression of parents. That where a person actually actively causes the cleave to his parents, causes untold misery to them, and does things which really put them in difficulties, can you imagine how severe that becomes? The sixth measure is that which is done by others at the time of death, and that is to encourage the person to decide, La ilaha illallah. It is better not to say to the person, that say la ilaha illallah. This is, since this is a delicate time, the sick person is in difficulty, it should not happen that due to the pain and difficulty, the person says, I will not say it. However, sit by him and start reading yourself. In another hadith reported by Hazrat Abu Hurairah, it is mentioned that when you sit by the person about to pass away, do not insist upon him to recite the kalima because he sometimes recites it with his tongue sometimes with indication and sometimes in the heart. And this too is sufficient. There have been many instances of some of the Akabir, etc. that for some time prior to their demise, they were in a state of unconsciousness. But just at the time of the Ruh departing, they were unconscious, there was no movement, physical movement, etc., but those present clearly saw the shahadat finger being raised as the person was passing away. Whereas there was no movement of any sort before that. This is something which Allah Ta'ala blesses one such aspect. Hazrat Mawla Manzoor Nomani Sahib Rahmatullah who is a very great alim, very prolific author, somebody who was a very senior person, in his last days, he was extremely ill, unconscious for most of the time in hospital. But those present there repeatedly saw something very, very unique. When it would be Salah time, he would somehow become conscious that it's Salah time and make some indications that he should be now helped to make wudu. And he would, with indications, perform his salah, but the machines are all showing that he's unconscious. And once, 
somebody tried to well, help him with his mozas, his socks or something, to take it off or put it on, whatever it might have been. Now he was in a state of, well, everything was indicating he was unconscious. So for example, whatever it was, either way, putting it on or putting it off, so supposing taking it out. So when removing the shoes, removing the socks, the sunnah is to first remove the left leg. When wearing it, to first wear the right. But in removing it, to first remove the left. So whoever was going to do it, so he went to remove the right. As he went to remove it, suddenly that leg withdrew. And everybody was, whoever was there was surprised. Again everything, he relaxed his leg. Again the pers- this happened the second time. Then they realized, somebody realized that, look, this is something, kind of indication of, that don't take this sock out first. This is something when a person has lived his life. His whole life he lived in steadfastness on the sunnah. Conscious of doing everything according to the way of Rasulullah Now when he is not generally in control, Allah Ta'ala still keeps him in that condition. That nothing now goes against the sunnah in his situation. Sheikh Abdul Baqi has mentioned that that person whose tongue has become closed or he has become unconscious due to sickness and cannot recite the kalima, his former condition will be taken into consideration. If he used to recite the kalima before, he will now also be judged as one who recited the kalima. Allah give us tawfiq to remain steadfast on deen and iman and to fulfill all the things that are required of us in terms of the things that we mentioned. And at the time of death, Allah keep us Steadfast on the Iman, take us with Iman. Subhanallah, bihamdi, subhanakallah, bihamdi, tashadullah, ilaha.